Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good afternoon. Scott Luton, Greg Wright with you here on Supply Chain. I welcome to today's live stream, the Supply Chain Buzz. Greg, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing quite well. How are you, Scott? Doing great. Had a great weekend. Great weekend yeah. on a number of yeah. different fronts. Good sports Fan. weekend for Atlanta, wasn't it? Great sports weekend. Uh, you know, I can't mention my baseball team because Clay will break my legs, but they took yep. two out of three from the Dodgers. Not that you're superstitious, right? <laughs> That's right. The Hawks won. Uh, first game of the of, of the um, the next round against the, the Philadelphia 76ers and then had a great weekend of family. But how about your weekend? Because you, you're venturing up to Chicago, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I, so I, I did that speaking engagement at the Small Business Investor Alliance. That was um, – they were thinking it would be sparsely attended, but uh, it was not as sparsely attended as most supply chain speaking engagements are. Actually, there was a lot of real interest. I went over on time, Scott. I know that's hard to believe. <laughs> I nailed it as far as the speaking part of it. But we had 22 minutes of questions that we really only cut off because the people who were speaking in the next session and their audience were starting to come in the door. So. <laughs> Very interesting. Investors are very dialed into supply chain for a lot of reasons, looking for opportunities in certain markets um, and looking how to improve the valuation of their current investments by tackling supply chain effectively. Well, that's why they got to bring in the experts like old Greg White here. So I bet it was a great keynote. And I'll tell you, after doing about 537 of these episodes with you, uh, I'm not surprised, but it's only because it's the good stuff, and I bet you got a ton of questions throughout the, the along the way. So I look forward to hearing a lot more highlights. Speaking of highlights, Greg, one of our highlights each week, you know, on Mondays and Thursdays, 12 noon, is the folks that show up in in the, the cheap seats. Is I think Peter Bolay. Uh, oh, is that who named them? Okay. Him or David. I can't remember which one. So <clears throat> let's say hello to a few folks, uh, starting with Rhonda. Dr. Rhonda Bumpenza Zimmerman out in Arizona. Hope this finds you well via LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, Zuhib is with us via LinkedIn. Hey, would love to know where you're tuned in from, what part of the world. Yeah. Um, and that goes for everybody. We love to, you know, it's neat to always connect the dots a bit, isn't it, Greg? Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's fun to see who we're reaching, right? That's right. And we Who's all know. reaching us? Which is it, Scott? <laughs> are we reaching them or are they reaching us? Well, we know that the supply chain is global supply chain. Business is global, you know, uh, global communities days. And it's great to see. Hey, yeah. Rob, via LinkedIn, welcome here this morning. Waleed, uh, via LinkedIn as well. Good morning. Great to have you here. Raj Mohan, uh, I believe I said that right. If I got it wrong, send us a note. We'll get it fixed. Uh, <laughs> great to see you here this morning. Pratik is back. Man, Pratik, where have you been? Great to yeah, have you. Yeah, he's getting worried. No kidding. Hope this finds you well. Fernando, welcome. He's from Sri Lanka. Uh, so welcome. Looking forward to hearing your comments as we work through some of the leading news stories here today. Yeah, well, they've got a big supply chain story there, as a matter of fact. The ship that burned and, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, 
Ariel, now is this Canada, you think, or is this California? Mm. He'll have to let us know. Yeah, I'm. that's a good question. Well, you know, and here. Is there a Canada in California or vice versa? <laughs> might be. I don't know all the provinces. Maybe so, Greg. <laughs> um, Kyle Reeves is with us. Now, Kyle, his name doesn't show up here. Uh, there's some settings you can do on your LinkedIn profile so your name picture will show up. But, Kyle, hope this finds you well. Always great to interact with you on social and here on the live streams. Yeah. Go back to our comment about the baseball. Clay says, I'm not superstitious, just a little stitious. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Jeremiah. That's awesome. <laughs> great to have you here with us, Jeremiah. Uh, let us know where you're you're tuned in from. And let's see here. Okay, uh, Bob Bova, Big Show Bob Bova is back yeah. with us. And finally, Peter Bole is with us once again. Peter Bole all night and all day. He stays stays busy. Great to see you, PB. Okay, so uh, we got a ton of stuff to get through here, Greg, and we've got a great special guest here today, yeah. Michael Nemi. You know, if y'all like us, uh, I, I love to see content creators that have their own unique take and and they keep it real. And then Mike's got that in spades. So stay tuned. He's going to join us about twelve twenty five this more uh, this afternoon. But Greg, we got to get to we got to do the bills first, right? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. So here we go. Here. So uh, first up. We invite all of y'all. So we had a prep call for this webinar on Friday with our friends at Transplace and at Tosca. And, you know, both of these organizations are on the move. Transplace, Greg, I believe, manages about $11 billion in uh, freight. And Tosca is a supply chain super super competitor, especially from a reverse logistics standpoint, which is a big part of their business. So, uh, and Mike Watson is a hell of a drummer, apparently. So, <laughs> I think so. I'm, I'm gonna ask him about that tomorrow. Well, we remember the first time we had him on the show, which now seems like forever ago. We started talking, I think he's the one who started the whole conversation about the supply chain gang ban. I th- you might be right, sure. maybe your memory is better than mine, but regardless. Uh, Gosh, I, I didn't get his instrument wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I know we'll be talking real, real meaningful innovation across <clears throat> supply chain tomorrow, June no doubt. 12 noon. You can check that out on the uh, show notes. And by the way, I stand corrected. Andrew Kelly is with us here today. Andrew, I uh, hope this finds you well. Uh, I tell you, you and your organization are on the move. Um, uh, Andrew Kelly, box lock, box lock. Man, they're. Oh, yeah. Keep moving. It's not just about boxes anymore. That is right. Um, all right. So moving right along. Hey, we're we're uh, so maybe a few weeks ago, y'all heard us launch the 2021 Supply Chain Procurement Awards with our partners at Art of Procurement and Buyers Meeting Point. We have built, for starters, amongst other things, we've built this executive judge panel. Uh, Laura and Delay and Detlef talking about three heavy hitters uh, that comes kind of from different aspects of the geographic business world and the different sectors. So they're going to be essential because we're not after a popularity contest, Greg, they're going to be rubber stamping the due diligence that our team does as we knock out, as we announce, as we uh, form the winners, right? More than rubber stamping. I have a feeling we're going to get an in-depth review of, of our recommendations. Yeah. So, and you know, you get nothing but truth from Laura. So, we should probably make her chairperson in charge. <laughs> I'm not sure we actually need to make her chairperson in charge. I just think she'll take charge. So. <laughs> well, hey, y'all can I'm learn glad more. for it. <laughs> we are both. Uh, you can learn more at supplychainprocurementawards.com. we got a lot more information and, and 
Uh, details will be releasing just around the corner, including a outstanding global nonprofit we're partnering with uh, to help them get their message and their mission in front of our global community. And then finally, uh, so <laughs> this, <laughs> so Clay, this is for you, my friend. Uh, we launched last week with June. You know, I'll make the connection here, I promise. So, you know, if you're a big PBS fan like I am here in the States, I love PBS and its programming. They have these telethons to raise funds a couple times a year. Well, kind of taking a chapter out of their book, a page out of their book, perhaps. Um, we're going to be, June is going to be our telethon. However, we're not after donations. We're after your subscriptions and your reviews, right? That's going to help us reach more folks. So as I, I used a, a clip, Greg, last week from Friends, and I hadn't seen that show. And Clay's like, man, there's a great Seinfeld episode with a telethon as a background. So, Clay, this one's for you. I can't remember Jerry Seinfeld's uncle here, but this one's for you. He's giving me a thumbs up from the uh, the green room. All right. And uh, and then with that, Greg, we'll take a pause because uh, we're going to we're about to jump into the news news uh, yeah. news of the day. But hey, one, I want to get your uh, so you and Vicky offered some wonderful pictures uh, from y'all's trip to Chicago. And I agree with you every every trip to Chicago is, is uh, there's not a bad one. What was one single non-work related highlight for you, Greg? Um, the, I mean, this is something I would recommend to anyone who ever goes to Chicago and everyone who was from Chicago recommended to us. It is Chicago's first lady um, architectural tour. So it's a riverboat and you go up and down the Chicago river and you, t- you get all these, you, you probably saw the pictures, Scott, all of those, many of those pictures are from that boat. And I mean, you talk about everything from the great Chicago fire of 18 <laughs> to, um, to the newest tower, which is the St. Regis, which is one of the most beautiful buildings and most creative buildings I've ever seen uh, by Jeannie Gang. Um, she did a fantastic job just visualizing, envisioning, and, and executing that building. That's my favorite building by far. To the house that Gum built, uh, the Wrigley, the Wrigley building, um, Trump Tower, which is an, regardless of what you feel about Trump, son of a can make a big, a beautiful building. So, um, and and there are just tons of them. And there are other. They're not all big skyscrapers. There are old factories. The Montgomery Ward building, Scott is now condos and a, and a business park. In fact, I think Echo Logistics is, is located there and tons of other and so much more development coming. So that tour is fantastic. If you go to Chicago, make sure Chicago's first lady. Love that. Love that. Uh, look forward to all the pictures and, and reconnecting with you and Vicki and hearing some of the stories. Uh, on a similar note, Welcome to everybody here. So Nanda's with us. Tom Raftery's back with us. Davin is with us. Mohib, I know you'll be seeing him soon, Greg. Uh, thank you, yes. Bob Bova. That was Uncle Leo. How could, how could I forget that? Uncle Leo. Uncle Leo from one of the best sitcoms of all time. So excellent. Which I've work. never watched. Isn't that tragic? It is um, tragic. All right. Now I guess I should binge that, shouldn't I? <laughs> Definitely. All right. So we got to dive into the news here, Greg. And first up... The Biden administration is going to be talking supply chain this this week. So tell us more about this. Well, I, I thought this was it was relevant because Reuters sort of previewed this. The article is about a paragraph long. It literally takes one minute to read. 
and all it says is that the this is forthcoming but um you know i would love to say i have mixed feelings about government getting involved in supply chain but they're not mixed at all i think what we're about to see is going to be a unique combination of both out of touch and overreaching um and and some things that most of us supply chain professionals will find incredibly obvious so we need to keep our eyes open for this we need to realize that some, that a large portion of this is posturing and courting political favor and not get too this is the warning that i want to give to supply chain professionals don't get your knickers in a twist as we say in kansas um a lot of it is just talk but I think there will be some actual value offered here. I'm really interested in particular in what they propose to uh, handle the semiconductor issue. And also they encouraged patients. So um, they said, look, changes are coming and we have some ideas for some changes, but they will take time, mm. which means they won't support them. But that, but at least if those ideas do bring us, as we often talk about, diverse perspectives, even politicians have perspectives, and there may actually be some value in that. So keep your eyes open. I'm interested again. Don't don't overreact to it. Um, and, you know, and recognize that they're here from the government. That's right, and they want to help. <laughs> and, and, and to your point, there's all, always a little bit of charades or, or uh, puppet show related to that, but there will be some good stuff to come out of it, I'm sure. Uh, all right. So I want to share. Tom says, going back to your Chicago, it's been in Chicago lots of times, but never left the terminal. Oh, man. You got to You got to venture out and, and uh, you will love it. Uh, I'm telling you, but hope this finds you well, Tom, and I love the Sapphire and our programming. That we're seeing coming up. SAP it's fascinating week. how many cities you can say about that when you get to travel the world. Everyone's like, oh, travel's so glamorous. I have seen, I was actually talking with Chris Lee, a uh, fellow advisor, and we were talking about we've seen the inside of, of taxis and, and freeways in some of the most beautiful cities in the world. <laughs> Gotta stop and smell the roses sometimes. I know you're do. a fan of doing that, Greg. Yeah. Uh, Peter. Gosh, containers close to 20K whew, out of China. We were getting a great update from a dear friend, uh, Enrique Alvarez, with Vector Global Logistics, uh, which, of course, leads several of our shows here. We have the great opportunity of, of kind of putting our finger on the pulse with him a couple times a week, Greg, and it is amazing what he and his team are fighting through, right? Yeah, it is, and I, I got an email, a very helpful email from somebody who said, friend, have container from China to, to U.S. port and listed the the prices per container per uh, TU per port. It's interesting that they're willing to discount, um, or well, I wouldn't say discount, they're probably charging a premium for containers going to non-jammed ports, and that it's actually cheaper to ship to Long Beach in LA, which is probably why people are doing it. Right. So I, I wonder if saving a couple thousand dollars a container is worth it when you lose a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of sales for waiting so we'll have to see but yeah it is an interesting confusing and um opportunistic market agreed very well let's let's shift about something uh something maybe a little bit easier or at least a little more positive uh and i want to talk about the manufacturing news we're seeing yeah so greg according to and i'm gonna get your take here in a second yeah. ism Manufacturing expansion continues to look good. 
in the latest PMI numbers for May 2021, the manufacturing PMI registered a 61.2%. Now, what does that mean? Well, first off, what you need to know is anything in this PMI over 50 represents growth and expansion, right? So that rate, the 61.2, represents a small increase over April. So you, so it's good in the macro, and it's good kind of here month the month. And get this, Timothy Fiore, I think I got his, his last name right, chair of the Institute for Supply Management Business Survey Committee. Whew. He was quoted as saying, and this is a great quote because it kind of touches on a lot of key things here. Quote, manufacturing performed well for the 12th straight month with yeah. demand, consumption, and inputs registering strong growth compared to April. Panelist companies, the folks that contributed basically, and their supply chains continue to struggle to respond to strong demand due to the difficulty in hiring and retaining. You can't just hire it. you got to keep them. Uh, yeah. Labor. Record backlog, customer inventories, and raw material lead times are being reported. The manufacturing recovery has transitioned from first addressing demand headwinds to now overcoming labor obstacles across the entire value chain, end quote. Gregory, what's your take here? That's, I think that's a great, that's a great signal. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not too uh, dialed into this precise index to understand precisely what it means, but it, yep. is, re- it is rapid growth relative to what we've seen prior to the to 12 months ago, which of course was near the start of, of this seismic societal disruption we're dragging ourselves out of. But uh, I think all of that is good and indicative of things like uh, Peloton, right? Moving, uh, building a $400 million factory and moving uh, at least some manufacturing onshore. Hey, you know, they have they have a premium product and it costs a ton and it's very technical to build if they can do that in in the states and be competitive then there's there is a, a that that was frankly a surprise to me and there, that is a strong indicator in my opinion i mean obviously there's more research to do and more understanding the game but uh it's encouraging yeah and i think if I'm not mistaken, for folks, if you if, if the manufacturing industry is an important one to you, I believe you can sign up for the the full free report via our friends at ISM, and uh, you know it's released once a month. It's like clockwork, and lots of per sector insights. Uh, so y'all check that out. But that's good yeah. news. Okay, and they do a ton of other reports that are really valuable, new orders and production and whatnot. So agreed, agreed. Okay, I want to talk now, Greg. This is this is a great story. So you know, supply chain dive is is fastly becoming part of the gold standard of industry reporting, including supply chain. So I like this yeah. one. Great story. Jen A. Miller was the author behind this story here, and she and and the reporting is attempting to answer just why why are lumber prices spiking? Now this might this might surprise you. Some of the, some of the things that were in this report certainly surprised me. So first off. By one measure, there's a variety of ways you can look at this, but lumber futures contracts, those prices are up 374% over one year ago. So according to Mark Vittner from Wells Fargo, who was quoted in this article, he said this is the fastest rise in lumber pricing since World War II. The National Association of Home Builders says this is adding another $36,000 to the price of a single-family home. But you got to understand so that you can't blame this on the pandemic. This has been in the works for quite some time. So get this back 
to the Great Recession. Remember, remember the Great Recession impact they had on a, a lot of, sm- especially small market, mid market industry companies, including sawmills. The Great Recession caused thirty large sawmills to go under for good. The 2017 tariffs, as we as we continue to look at the root cause here, 2017 tariffs on the Canadian softwood lumber did not help the problems, and neither did the wildfires we saw in the Pacific in the Pacific Northwest last year. And all those trees, Greg, they take about 10 years to grow to the point where they're it makes sense to harvest them. Right, and that's fast growth timber, right? I mean, just so people understand, that is not the old thick, sturdy timber. That's the fast growth. That's yeah. an excellent point. Yeah. See, I, I learned something new from you every single hour, Greg. Every single hour. All right. So uh, let's see here. And that's what, and then, of course, as we got into the pandemic, that further limited the sawmills that were operating, right? Uh, and the, all the inventory that was already in the system, of course, gets diminished. Now, all that's kind of on the supply side, right? Then you got the demand side, right? For starters, folks are staying home. And whether you do when you stay home, you work on stuff. You do it yourself, <laughs> you know? So that yeah. added to the demand. And then, of course, you've got a big surge in home building. I'm not sure. Well, Greg, you and I are in the same neck of the woods. We both see all the projects going across Metro Atlanta. It is amazing. Even out yeah. here, friends where I am. Um, so all of that. And then one more point here. I gotta bring I gotta bring this up because this touches again on the labor. All right. We're gonna labor is gonna be the story of the year and then some, I'll bet. It's almost impossible to bring these old closed sawmills offline back online because you can't find the people. You've got so many shortages across uh, across the spectrum. You can't find the people to bring it up. So unfortunately, and I think Rhonda was talking about uh, your your you're checking out your crystal ball here, Rhonda. This is where I'm going. Uh, so Vintner, the same gentleman, Mark Vintner with Wells Fargo, quoted in the story says, "You can probably expect." Prices to stay high into 2022. So, folks, undoubtedly, no projects until at least next year. But, Greg, what's your take? Well, it's interesting. Uh, Rhonda's discussion is is on point. Frankly, there are a lot of people at that point now. I was just at my daughter's house this morning. She had a flat tire, so I had to help. And she said, "I want a covered porch." Once the price of lumber goes down and we started talking about what the options were, you know, shade sales and attached awnings and and various and sundry things. So I think people might start to move that direction. And as the momentum towards alternatives, um, you know, starts to starts to move, then you'll see the prices start to come down. Now, I've heard and this was just conversational, but it was with somebody who appeared to know that uh, we can expect housing to continue to grow for a good while, which is interesting because we're losing the largest generation in history, the baby boomers, at a rate of 10,000 a day, and you would think they would be leaving homes available. Um, and but, but millennials and Gen Zs, who everyone said just a few years ago would never buy a home, are looking to do so. And even if they want to rent, mm. we need more homes apparently to, for them to, uh, to be able to live in. I can tell you that I have one set of Gen Z's uh, who are actively looking just to rent an apartment and are really, really struggling for that. Mm. So clearly there is need in the marketplace. Yeah. Agreed. 
This is, you know, what I love about stories like this, that supply chain dive puts out is this is of interest regardless of what industry you work in. And that, that is true. Great level set reporting uh, that they do over here. So great work there, Jen A. Miller and the supply yeah. chain dive team. I want to, uh, so this is either Andrew or Kyle. Love the journey shirt. I agree with you. Don't stop believing, LinkedIn user. Um, <laughs> big show, Bob. There's a story about. behind this shirt. I had a different shirt on before this. Did it? it, had, it a little, <laughs> had a little drinking problem. <laughs> All right. Uh, big show, Bob Bova says, uh, on more serious point, says there are not enough workers in many markets. Yeah. He says, expect some government overreach actually paying folks to go back to work. Interesting. Well, they are effectively paying folks because 17 states have already refused the PUA, the pandemic unemployment assistance that the, the federal government continues to offer to keep people from working. And, and that will put people back to work in those states. Also, as of June 1st, you have to actually look for a job to stay on unemployment mm. and you have to be legitimately unemployed. Remember, many people went on unemployment because they chose not to work for fear of the uh, of the pandemic. So uh, as those things start to go away, people will have to get back to work. And this, the dynamic that you identified, Scott, is in the lumber industry. Those are, they're not necessarily migrant workers, but they are as close to we have, as we have in the States to daily workers. They gotta work to eat. So they have probably moved away from where those sawmills are, though I'm sure they would, love to move back if if that's what they prefer to do and where they prefer to live so yeah we're going to see some some continual seismic shifts in demographics and work and and uh life patterns for we consumers as we go forward excellent point uh and one final one before we bring on our special guest here today so uh, mohib is lamenting the fact that i believe laura cesaria has a webinar going on right now and he's saying ah supply chain buzz or webinar. Well, hey, Mahib, you're going to get your cake and eat it too today because we have Laura Ciceri back with us this Thursday for the yeah, right. Eastern Time live stream. So join us in and we will uh, reconnect. Okay. Well, we already won. Did you notice that? <laughs> I wasn't going to call that out. So, so he's getting two for the price of one. Right. You're welcome, Mahib. <laughs> hey, I, don't, I, I like keeping Laura happy. You know what I mean? Because we're going to see her on Thursday. So Yeah, that's uh, right. But Mohib, thanks for pointing that you out. You know she's recording that. and <laughs> Like everything, you, you may not catch it live, but you will catch it. That's right. And we look forward, Greg and I look forward to being with uh, Laura and her and the whole team there at the Supply Chain Insights Global Summit this September, where we're going to be the exclusive provider of the virtual uh, version of that summit. So great, a lot of great speakers being lined up as, as we speak here. Okay. Speaking of great speakers, so again, Michael Nemi here, he keeps it real and and really have enjoyed his uh, frank content uh, across, gosh, you name it, freight and transportation and even salesmanship, right, which is a, a very relevant topic these days. So I want to welcome respect in. Respect the right? hustle. What's yes. that? Respect the hustle. Yes, respect the hustle. Excellent point. Uh, so let's bring in our guest here today, Michael Nemi, VP of Supply Chain Solutions with Hook Logistics and Global Trans. Mike, good afternoon. How you doing? Pretty good, man. Well, there so he is. Welcome aboard. I, one second. I'm a little bummed when you guys were talking. I wish I was could have got in that conversation about the wood. I've been spending so much money at Home Depot. Let's hear it. Yeah, sound off. 
Go for that's it. That's it. I mean, no, that is it. I've been spending too much money because you- <laughs> at Home Depot, literally doing all these projects, I did not know wood was this expensive. Well, yeah, so well, it, you know, that's it's relatively new, obviously, but it's been going up incredibly fast. So I'm curious, has it has it curtailed any of your projects or are you just powering through? Dude, I am power. I'm yeah, I'm just powering through. Like I am a low, like I have a Home Depot literally half a mile from me. I just got this urge to one day. I went, <laughs> I went there, bought this, uh, bought a bunch of wood, made a bunch of tables, and started pa- painting my house. So I'm addicted. So I want to ask yeah. that. I want to ask that same question to to all the folks in the cheap seats. Is the lumber pricing? Is it gonna? Is it gonna have you pause any projects? I think Peter mentioned something earlier, but I'm gonna give out. We'll circle back on that. Give you a little time to answer. Let us know how that lumber pricing is impacting your consumer buying and building behavior. All I right. mean, I'm trying to think. I spent like 400 bucks on because again, I don't know what wood costs. I, you know, this, but it was 400 bucks on a. I don't know. I'm actually sitting on it. My desk right. <laughs> <laughs> or my desk right now. So, I mean, that seems pretty pricey, doesn't it? I mean, what is it? It does. So, yeah. All right. So, yeah, it does. But I'm sure, I'm sure you put some handiwork into it that added value to it, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean next That's thing what you I'd know, say, if I were you, Mike, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Next thing you know, I'm going to be selling these things. Yeah. Right. Anyway. Right. All right. So, let's get down to business first. And before we uh, ask you some news stories that you've been tracking here lately, well, let's get to know you a little better first. And, cool. and folks, I think you're someone that, that uh, has a very accurate first impression, all right? Um, so tell us more about uh, who you are, and then and then we're going to dive a little deeper. Yeah. Uh, I'm not anything special. Just a normal <laughs> dude. Got into uh, got into logistics, supply chain, um, what, roughly around eight years ago back in Michigan. Company called Worldwide Express. Dipped my toe in a couple different companies. Kind of got, uh, I don't know, I would say it's kind of got tired of, you know, always working for somebody. So I started my own agency about a year ago. And then I uh, ended up partnering up with Hook Logistics. They're a warehouse company fulfillment center. And yeah, here I am. I just love logistics, but I love selling too. So Mm. to me, they go hand in hand. I love it. So is that what you do for Hook? I mean, what's your role there? Yeah. So we're, I mean, again, they're Shoot, they're about a year on. Um, they just got another warehouse. I'm basically, it kind of works like hand in hand because, it, you know, you guys probably heard me talk. Like, I don't do any type of like brokerage, right? Mo- any account I bring on is is all in with me. So at some point, sometime, they're probably going to need a warehouse. So it's kind of like working that, that right. avenue. And then again, kind of just targeting, you know, e-commerce accounts for him too. So, well, so well that's a good market. It is a good yeah. market. <laughs> yeah, it it is. And if you if you are connected to Michael and what he just shared there, it it spills out on on all of his content. And and you know that that's part of the, part of what got our attention, Michael, because uh, we all believe that there needs to be a lot more authenticity, uh, not just in supply chain, but in in business and in and across in social and and entrepreneurship for that matter. Um, and and you seem to bring that. You, you're known for telling it like it is, Frank. The good, the bad, the ugly, all points in between. Yeah. Where do you get that from in your family? My mom. So I was raised by a single woman. Um, I mean, it's just, I was just bred into it, you know, hard work and just being direct. Like, I mean, my mom is, 
you know, we weren't getting, you know, participation trophies were in my household. My mom just kind of just told it how it was. And, you know, that's just kind of, again, it's just, who I that's who I am. You know, it's like, I think I said it the other day uh, on another, uh, on another podcast, but it's like, there's just something that I find intriguing by someone that's just like un unapologetically like themselves, right? Whether you might not like that person, you know, but you can respect the fact that that person's that person. And it just, I don't know, it builds a lot of credibility, at least in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, and, and Greg, how uh, apropos, I think I said that right, is <laughs> as, as Mike's talking about doing the work, he's got Dennis Rodman, who say what you want to say about his personality, but man, he was a rebounding and hustle machine when he was playing. Uh, Pistons, Bulls, you name it, Greg. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I mean, Michael Jordan had Michael Jordan had no more to say about anyone than he had to say about about Dennis Rodman, and he didn't play with him nearly as long as he did some of the other players. Yep. Well, it, says that, uh, it says misunderstood, so it's like it's a little bit of a deeper meaning. So it's it, it's yeah, it's definitely interesting. But yeah, so you're you must be a a sports. Fan. Are you are you a Pistons fan, Mike? Uh, I have went to some Piston games, but no, I mean. <laughs> I'm not. So, if I'm any, if, if like we are, we were talking about gambling. But like, if I'm, if I was to not gamble and say I was a fan of a uh, of a team, it would be Detroit Red Wings. There you go. Okay. All right. You just you just lifted my brother's heart. He's a huge Red Wings fan. <laughs> Let's go. All right. So let me let me recognize a few comments here, and then Mike, we're going to keep going with a couple stories that you've been tracking here lately. Uh, this is either Kyle or Andrew and, and Claire or Amanda. If you'd let me know. Uh, going back to, to lumber, right? He says, uh, similar to fuel, as the pricing fluctuates, we've got to power through, especially if our projects are necessary renovations. Excellent point there. Uh, let's see here. Nanda from Norway. Nanda, I hope this finds you well. Great to have you here today. He says, guess there will be ripple effects on the paper industry, packaging industry, which then will have an impact on logistics, which will impact total costs and supply chain. Yeah, That's there's a butterfly effect moment for you right there. That's right. And that was uh that was Kyle that mentioned uh powering through here in this comment a second ago. Yeah. So thanks for that. By and the way, the most beautiful time of year in Norway right now. Amazing. You can play golf at ten thirty at night. Oh, I love that. What up, Brian? <laughs> he says, Well said, authenticity. Michael Nemi bleeds it. I agree with that. It's evident. And then one final note here, because Peter Bollet met Dennis Rodman many years ago on his flight from LA to Montreal. He played with my best friend growing up, Bill Winnington. Peter, wow. you know Bill Winnington, three-time nice. NBA champ. Peter says Dennis was so kind and soft-spoken, contrary to his outward appearance. How about that? Different person off the court than on, that's for sure. All right. He had a, he had a go mode, that's for sure. <laughs> so we, we've talked Funny. NBA without mentioning the resilient Atlanta Hawks. We'll save that for another day. But, man, it's really impressive to see what they're doing. Um, but, Michael. Uh, let's get back to business because, you know, Greg and I, we like the buzz and the team likes the buzz here because we like to uh, kind of pick and choose the headlines that, that um, you know, that, that we're tracking and stories that we're tracking. What's a couple stories that you've been you've been reading and, and talking about here lately? Well, I sent you over the one about like optimizing your your LTL. Um, you know, I I talk a lot about, uh, you know, people treating uh, treating their LTL like they would their truckload. And, you know, talking with, you know, multiple accounts, our, you know, potential customers daily, 
it's 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 like clockwork, right? It's either they they go out and they're using multiple different brokers, carriers direct, or they're doing like an RFP like they would a truckload when, you know, it's it, it's truly hurting them, right? One, it's like, I, I think it was 90% of, you know, the top 25 take over 90% of the market, right? Hmm. So there's not enough, you know, there's not as many options out there. And quite frankly, you know, it, it's got to be a volume. It's got to be a volume game. And a lot of times people use way too many LTL carriers um, for their spend, right? I mean, I've had accounts that have done 3 million and we only, you know, we got them contracted pricing with four carriers that, you know, they like the freight better, right? They're going to give you more aggressive rates. It's just a fact. Mm-hmm. They get to know your customers, better right they're always in and out and think about it you know what did we go through miss pickups right now everything's backed up well when those carriers are getting all that volume and they already know your you know your freight they already know where to pick it up you're more likely gonna get that freight picked up especially if you have contractor rates it's just it's just the way it is so the you know this word relationship and especially the word partnership's been thrown around for years now but uh how, how does that fat? And it, that's what you're kind of speaking to, right? The, yeah. You know, I mean, relationship, I mean, it, we're all here to make money, right? Everybody's got to be profitable. And I think that from logically it makes sense, but like, think about it. It's like, Hey, let me take a step back. A lot of people, you know, not everybody's Amazon, right? Not everybody's the Kellogg's, right? It's, you know, those companies that are, you know, I would say 5 million and down in LTL spend, Nobody really even pays attention to that line item. It's always truckload, truckload. If, even if you think about it out in you know our industry, right? Everybody's talking about you know truckload. I don't even think anyone thinks about LTL. But from an LTL standpoint, think about it. If if you're going to give someone X amount of volume, right? Hey, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, you know, five hundred thousand um, dollars. But I need you to let's just say you're going into big box retailers. I need you to waive your appointment delivery fee, right? Okay, more likely to do that because I'm going to get all that volume, right? So it's just it's just a strategic play from a price from just strictly a pricing standpoint. And then obviously, like I said, is they get to know the freight, they get to know you know know the pickup times. Um, you, I mean, you could even get into like a drop trailer. Just just it's limitless, right? Yeah. There's no reason to be going out there and using everybody like you do truckload. Obviously, I don't think that's logical either. But that's We'll save that for another time. So go, you got to go deep with some of these relationships. What, you, what you have to. Yeah. And there's so many smaller companies. Man, I, I mean, it's hard because it's like, I'm. It, it, yes, I'm biased. And yes, I'm a salesperson, right? But it's like, I wish I could just like somehow, some way, just not be a salesperson for a minute and be like, listen, this is not like, that's why I say it. It's like, you don't even have to use me, but please stop doing what you're doing because <laughs> it's just hurting you. Either, I say this, either go to... Utilize a 3PL, and I wouldn't even say just on price, but utilize one 3PL for all the other stuff too, as well as well as price. Or if you have an in-house team, go out and strategically use carriers direct, but still keep you could still keep the same model, right? Smaller pool. Mm. All right. Why do you think people don't don't dig deep in that LTL relationship? Is it because it's such a small spend for so many companies relative to truckload or what? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess when I get into like the really big, bigger accounts, that's, that's, that's prime example right there. It's, it's just, you know, 5 million to some companies, it's just nothing. Right. But right. I think that with smaller companies, they don't is 
let's just face it, it we're so, I think it's a, a, a we problem, right? In our industry, we're so always talking about rates, rates, rates. This is how we're doing it. I think we're training the buyer to think of, of how they're supposed to do things, right? So again, it's, I guess, our job to educate them, but you know, you only know what you know. So I think that's the biggest issue is right there. They're like, oh, well, we're just going to go price it out. Well, okay, take a step back. <laughs> and we'll talk about spreadsheets in just a second. Yeah. Greg, I, you, you know, we've talked a lot here um, about, you know, truck drivers and 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 some of the ways that, that they're treated. Of course, the big challenges we have in, in finding enough. Uh, you know, Mike, I want to get your take. You know, th- this article doesn't speak to how organizations and and upstream and downstream across supply chain, how drivers are treated. But uh, what's your take there? I think that's, a, do, you, do you agree with us? It's a big part of the problem. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's way above my pay grade or I, you know, and maybe I don't pay attention. When I say I don't pay attention to it, I don't want that. I did say that live one time and someone got offended. I don't mean I don't care about that, but like personally, I think that it's on me. I had this conversation. There was a couple asset based guys on this call. And I said, listen, that's where other things come into play, right? That's where I talk about cost to serve, figuring out ways to drive out cost in the supply chain for my customer. So I don't even have to worry about beating my carriers up for rates, right? Because like, again, that's just not, and it all stems back to us guys. Like it really does. It's like, it's my job to find solutions to drive out cost for my customer and stress the fact that, hey, listen, if I'm going to beat up carriers for cheaper rates, dude, you can only go so low. And at the end of the day, maybe we're just, it, you're definitely not a good fit for me, but I mean, you're never going to be, get, you're never going to get treated right. And even large, large companies, at some point you would think like, man, I'd rather, personally, I'd rather go take a smaller account that actually treats me right, makes good money, and I don't got to deal with the headache. Yeah. So, you know, Greg, if you remember, um, and I appreciate your, your perspective, Mike, we had a fascinating discussion a few months back on freight forwarding and, you know, so automation and, and just remember that spirited Enrique mm-hmm. was with us and Eric from journal of commerce was with us. And there was a lot of passion in the comments. What are some of the, of what Mike is saying here? What, 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 what does, uh, what comes to your mind? Well, I mean, the, the dilemma for trucker for drivers is, is it's not primarily how they're treated because most people who aren't in the industry don't know how truck drivers are treated. It's because they don't want to spend days and days away from home on the road, living in the back of a tiny RV, which is effectively what it, right? Very tiny RV. Um, and, and it's not dissimilar to the issue you have in manufacturing or other supply chain roles, the three D's that keep people away from jobs, dark, dirty, and dangerous is how a lot of these industries are perceived. A lot, of, a lot of manufacturing industries, we talked about that some weeks back. I think that's why we have a driver shortage. People just aren't willing to give up their personal time to do what it takes to drive anymore. That's the primary issue. Um, and and that, I, think, I think that there probably needs to be a way to communicate to drivers that LTL is a potential option. Those are shorter hauls, usually depot to customer or depot to depot. Um, you drop, sometimes you drop the trailer and you go home, right? Uh, but certainly you spend a lot less time, have opportunity to spend a lot less time on the road. So I, I think would that, add, if I was going to drop a truck, I'd do that. Sorry, Mike, what? 
if I was going to drive, yeah. I, you know, it's funny is because like, that's some good points you just hit on. And my, you see how I originally just strictly went to like, well, I think it's a, it's a price issue, right? Because it's like, that's what everybody says. But that is so true. It's like, if you think about it, I, it's not a sexy job, right? But someone's got to do it. And it's like, I think that that needs to be stressed more. But like you said, is like, I would rather if I was going to go drive, drive a, a truck, after you explain that, and you know, I would rather drive LTL, you know? Yeah. Short haul, cartage, LTL, drayage. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think we've got to give truck drivers their job any way they want it. And we got to love on them more, you know, loving, touching, <laughs> squeezing. I mean, a hundred percent, a hundred percent puns. Definitely, definitely those who are, have the wherewithal to continue to do this until it is. And I know this is going to, this is going to fire some people up until the long haul portion of the drive is automated, which it should be, in my opinion, sooner than later, we're not going to have more truck drivers. We need to respect the drivers that we have, and we need to give them the option to drive as people want to drive. Imagine, just imagine a world like this is crazy. So, so we might see the real Mike Nimi here. I'm not afraid of that, but I see a world where, where drivers become much like harbor pilots in shipping, right? You dr the truck drives itself from Atlanta to Nashville, just to the outskirts. And then you have a city pilot who go gets in and then drives at the surface streets the rest of the way or something like that. Um, I mean, and man, just imagine, imagine what that does for people's lifestyle, right? And, and, and how that changes the impact on the road. I mean, truthfully, Imagine those are powered trucks. Truck stops just become stops. They don't become restaurants and yeah, whatever else they are, right? right? The need for rest stops become a lot less and they can go back to, as they were in the past, go back to being people who are on vacation, mm -hmm. making a stop. I think there's a lot of good things there. I think, I, I mean, I'm all for it, right? I mean, I, here's here's my take is I have the easiest job, right? I say it. My operations people should get paid more than me. At, like sales is easy. And I think people need to start treating truck drivers like, like again, they should be getting paid more. They should be getting to dictate on how they want to do it. Like that's 100%. It's just facts, right? It's yeah. like at the end of the day, if they said, screw it, I'm not going to go drive trucks anymore. It's like, what are you going to do? Right. I'm going to go no. sell. I'm going to have to go sell. I'm going to have to go sell something else in a different industry. I don't want to do that. So I'm going to share a couple of comments here, but first off, I'm going to share that Greg, I'm completely disappointed that you didn't pick up a couple of journey song references <laughs> in my earlier comment. I Come saw, don't, I, I heard don't stop believing. Yeah. No. But what was the other one? I did miss Man, it. I worked in there any way you wanted. I worked yeah. in there, love and touch and squeeze. Oh. You said love and touch and squeeze. Yeah, man, we've got to love on the drivers. But hey, oh. I'll save that for another day. But Bob Bova, on a more serious note, uh, we're kindred spirits with Bob. I love this sentiment here. Human approach, he says, to a lot of blue-collar jobs is evolving. Honor and respect in all necessary vocations. I'm with you. I'll tell you, Greg and Mike, we drove up to uh, meet some family this weekend uh, up in the upstate of South Carolina. And I, we pulled past this big Ryobi plant, and there's a big water tower. And you got this team that's repainting this water tower and you talk about work. I'm, I'm, I've grown to be scared of, of, of heights and they're just knocking it out. Like they're cutting the grass and, and those folks, we got to, we got to love and appreciate all the folks that make even those types of things happen. I didn't even yeah. thought about painting water towers, but 
Bob, both a great point here. And then Rhonda, kind of more, more relevant, says social constraints and safety concerns. Maybe automatic trucks trucks can help with this eventually, uh, even short, including shorter routes, kind of echoing some of your comments there. Uh, Peter, companies need to understand how to consolidate their LTL for multiple stops into a FTL load with drop charges, and then it'll see benefits in the bottom line. Spoken like a pre- procurement pro. Go ahead, Mike. He's, he's, he's definitely right. And yeah. then let's see here. Uh, Brian says the carriers are failing here. It's their job to make that job sexy. We live in a new era now, and I think it's imperative that they start marketing the position better and getting in front of the younger generation in a more aggressive way. Imagine having a, a, a Michael Nimi driving that big rig. Hey, that, all right. So something. I'm very close with Brian, and I will agree and disagree with you here, man. Okay. And just because, I mean, yeah, I get the fact that they should make it sexier, but it's like how sexy you can only make sexy is. is I don't even know how I'm going to put this, but it's like it, it's still they still don't have the ability to do what they want to do. They really don't. Right. It's like no. they don't get to dictate their hours. It's like, yeah, we can go market it. That would be like, hey, I'm going to go market this job. And hey, it's so sexy. But if they don't have the uh, the power to actually start making changes in the industry themselves, right. it which also stems from maybe executive leadership needs to step in and again start making those changes or giving their their literally their truck drivers that are you know making them money more power to make those decisions. Then you can make it sexy. Yep. Yeah, I think I think you're uh, that's a really excellent point, Mike, because you can attract people to the role, but then as Scott was talking about earlier, you got to sustain that, right? You've got yeah. to keep them. Uh, in that role. And a lot of people, they just can't hack it. I mean, I've seen people buy $180,000 rigs, which probably was ages ago. I don't even know what what these things go for nowadays, but I'm sure it's well more than that. Drive for 90 days, even as a couple and go, just can't do it. Yep. Right. Or you uh, can't or you get them in. Demographic factors at play here as well, right? Population decline is now inevitable. Mm-hmm. And we have to face that fact now or we wind up with yet another supply chain crisis 20 or 30 years from now when the supply, when the population is is declining so um there, there I think are a lot of straight up i think honesty is where it's at hey it's like that's like saying like per, for instance like sales right like giving all this fluff hey we have we give you free smoothies and all this the job's going to be great and then they're turned over in in 30 days right it's like either i yeah. think you either have the ability to say, hey, this is a shitty job. You're going to have to work a lot of hours and it's it's not fun, but you're going to be able to do this, this, and this. Or again, if you can't, hey, this is this is, this is is what it is. Do you want to be part of it? Mm. Yes or no? It's like, I mean, I don't know. I think that like, again, there's a lot of changes that need to happen. But at this point, I don't think there's any point of like making this like elaborate fluff to get people to come in. Yeah. All right. So, I agree with that because the realities are dram- can be dramatically different than the perception, and that's yeah, not so, productive. I'm going to try to wade in here. This is clearly a very uh, passionate discussion going <laughs> on. There's lots of passionate comments in the uh, cheap seats. I'm going to I'm going to sprinkle a couple in, and we're going to keep driving because uh, Tom disagrees with Greg here. He says Greg's model drastically drops the price of trucking, which increases the traffic on trucks, which increases the number of drivers required for short haul last mile delivery. I'm sure Greg disagrees with Tom. Quick. I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily disagreeing. I think what that's doing is shifting drivers to to last mile from from 
uh, long haul, which I don't know if that's a net increase and maybe that's what Tom means, but I don't know if that's a net increase or not, but there aren't that many drivers doing last mile delivery relative to the number that are required to do um, long haul. Now imagine if we take the drivers we do have and apply them to to last mile delivery. One, they're happier. Two, they're healthier, which is a big issue for truck drivers, right? Yes. And and lastly, we've got professional drivers who are used to driving a multitude of vehicles. Maybe they're driving a box truck that last mile, or maybe it's a van, or maybe it's a Kenworth this time and a Peterbilt next time, which is also an issue, which we learned in the last week or so. Right. Um, driving one rig is not the same as driving another, right? So yes. I think yeah. there's some specialization there. Agreed. And there's certainly plenty of advancement. There's certainly more uh, application opportunities for automation and, and, and other latest and greatest technology. That's that's pretty much inarguable, right? Yeah. Incubator Hub says the reality is the job is not that sexy without tech advances like Greg mentioned. That's an interesting point. And, and Incubator Hub, welcome. Great to have you here via YouTube. Um, a lot more comments <laughs> that we can't get to right this hey, second. Yeah, hey, Mike. Scott. Yep. So something I always ask myself, right? Like I, I know we're, none of us are truck drivers. Right. And I think that, you know, I always ask myself when before selling or, or, or I always say, Hey, what are my customers wants and needs? Right. Well, I mean, I know this might sound simple, but it's like, what are maybe start people need to start asking more. What are your, what are, what, what does the truck driver want? What are their needs? Right. What do they want? Do they want, do they want uh, to be, they want Greg's idea or do they want more power to make decisions? Like, again, we can sit here all day and talk about what we think is good for them, but until they tell us on a, on scale, really, it's just, we need a, we need a VOT. Instead of the VOC, we need the voice of the trucker, and we need to <laughs> there get their real. I influence. love that. Is there not something like that now? I mean, with such an enormous, think such an enormous population, you would think that there would be that, right? You know, I, I'm sure there's a lot more, and we'll have to dive in deeper with. This some is of actually our a really good topic. I've never thought I'd get really into this, but I'm like, I'm like really into this. I'm like, yeah, oh, man, I'm with you. You're gonna see me start protesting for the truckers now. <laughs> Peter says he's not a he's not a truck driver. He's a staying driver. So there we go. And Tom agrees with that uh, last point you were making there, Greg. And there's a lot more comments here we can't get to, but it is a great discussion. But I want to get to really quick, really quick. We're going to finish a few minutes over here probably today. But this next, really, Greg and Mike, if I thought any of these stories was going to generate a lot more discussion, it was this next one. And Mike, I want to give it just give us a couple of key points from this. Uh, this story here is AI the future for spreadsheets is the question that CFO University is asking. So, Mike, your take? No, so I follow uh, the founder Steve um, a lot. Of, he's got a lot of good takes on some like uh, fi finance and accounting stuff, but more or less, I think I just honestly I threw that article at you because I didn't have anything else. Um, but that's the truth. But no, I I do want to hit though. It, it is it is pretty interesting because a lot of times. I push technology too. And I think a lot of times people are nervous for technology to come out. And I think that they shouldn't be, right? It's just going to enable them to make or to not have to do tedious things, right? You still need human, human, uh, you know, humans running machines, right? I think it's human plus, he, what did he say? Human plus AI equals better, right? It's like business rules still mm -hmm. have to be updated. 
machines still have to be updated. You have to you have to run things. It's just allowing people. Like for instance, I use Power BI religiously, right? It's integrated into most of my platforms, but there's still error, right? But the amount of stuff it it it, it clears up for me that I don't have to do uh, is 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 amazing, right? So I think it's like people need to like realize that the AI, blockchain, all this stuff is not going to take away jobs or anything like that. It's just going to actually scale jobs because it's going to allow people to actually start doing things that are going to make a really big impact on a company. So a big, a big thing you're talking about there is augmentation there, Mike. Greg, I know you're dying. Yeah. I loved your instant reaction you had once <laughs> I pulled this story up, but please do share. Well, look, um, look. let's face it. If there isn't a technic- technology technology application, you're stuck with spreadsheets. But but fewer and fewer of those conditions exist each day. And um, I think there's a huge opportunity, you know, for problems that are big enough to build build technology for. But of course, there will always be those Mm -hmm. outlier kind of issues or those really, really individual kind of things. What I think we need to think about Okay, if we're going to stay with spreadsheets, if we have to have spreadsheets or no, <laughs> whatever we want to call it, we need the the issue with spreadsheets is not its capability. Okay, it's not whether you can use. Um, I, I mean, look, I wrote an entire technology system in spreadsheets, so I know what's possible with spreadsheets. But what I know also is that the primary limitation is is the ability to capture and effectively communicate the data with a system that needs it. What we really need is an online spreadsheet type solution. I'm probably speaking of something that exists and I just don't know about it, but an online capability that allows Mike and allows me and allows all of us to grind up that number that we may only want to know about this time or once a month, and it's not worth buying a system for, but connects that data into other systems that we value, connects it to HubSpot or connects it to Salesforce or connects it to your ERP or, or, or your supply chain solution and maintains the integrity and the connectivity of that data. That's the critical aspect. That's probably so, that's actually, that's way above my head right now, but I'm thinking like, cause I, like I said, I use Power BI and it is connected to like, for instance, like I get I, daily, right? Or even hourly, my customers that are shipping, I get, I can build out reports. And, but again, I have a software engineer that's actually probably building those out. So it's technically not. But yeah. you know, I don't think we're that far from it, Mike. I mean, nah. if you think about it, there's this company called Zapier and they have APIs that people have just built and contributed to a community. So if I want my Power BI connected to HubSpot, I go to Zapier and go, is there a way to connect? Power BI to, to my accounting system or to HubSpot. Yeah. Or whatever. All right. So I think we're really close there. The oh, key to spreadsheets is, is that data capture and data communication, right? Agreed. Um, I mean, people, <laughs> yeah, I feel like me and you, Greg, could get get off on this topic because I want to be like, Scott, if you just want to, I know you got to go. I'll see y'all. <laughs> I don't even have invoices. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, the, and and, and and Greg, I'm, I'm offended that only you and Mike get access to the tools you were mentioning. Man, you got to include me, man. Uh, but hey, you know, so lots of interesting comments here. I want to. So David's a good friend, and and David loved your quotes from a, a separate event uh, from last week. He says, "Automation is the tools that uh, 
to not or to help not to steal away jobs. Someone still needs to run the tools, which is some something you both are speaking to. Now, yes, jobs will be lost, but better jobs will be created as a result. And that's the I think that's the interesting point. You know, and Greg, we we try to stay frank on this too. You know, if you if you like clinging to the same thing day in and day out, in some cases hour in and hour out, and you're not willing to learn new things, then, then it's going to be, you know, you're, it's going to be a difficult path ahead. But to step in and and to really grasp the art of the possible that t- automation and technology will offer, that's where you can get bigger paychecks, you can learn new skill sets, you can even you know build a uh, a stronger profile or CV, so to speak. And do a lot more in industry. So I have a I have a customer that literally I posted about this supply chain manager came on. He's now a director of operations after six months because again we automated stuff. He would he literally didn't have to do the tedious stuff that he was doing when we first started with him. Now he's actually building out a team, right? So it's like it's yes, it scales jobs. <laughs> and Mohib says, and I think he shared this. I, I couldn't grab it last time. This discussion with. Artificial intelligence intrigues me. Hardworking, intelligent people trying to make us smarter and lazier. Love it, <laughs> he says. How about mm-hmm. that? And then David uh, follows it up. The jobs lost are the jobs that no one wants to do anymore anyways. These tools are usually targeted towards jobs that have a high turnover rate. So they are targeted at dark, dirty, and dangerous jobs often, if you think about it. And, and the repetitive and mundane of all the words you guys have all said, all the words we hear so often, and and that elevates humans to be able to do what we do, right? Scott is a veteran. He's done it before, and I really respect veterans for this ability. They make life and death decisions in an instant with insufficient data, mm-hmm. and that's something that a machine cannot do, Yes, right? You put that combination together, it actually, at least not today, it, but today it requires a human to do that. Insufficient or inaccurate data. Inaccurate, right? Per our text exchange this morning, I don't know about y'all. We'll save this for a later time, but but AI is running rampant in a very bad way on LinkedIn. (laughs) It's driving invites and messages, and they're very. They often do a lot more harm than good because they show you you're not doing your homework, or at least at 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 best you don't have your inputs and outputs set. So I'll (laughs) save that for. So we don't have to name the party, but this was hilarious. Scott, as the CEO of Supply Chain Now, have you ever thought about running a business? <laughs> that's what the that's what the message actually said, Mike. Uh, what? <laughs> it's uh, it's it's you know just take some a little bit of time, a little bit yeah. of time, and just make sure you do your homework. But hey, I actually downloaded this thing called Copy AI. It makes me sound smarter, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I don't, th- I don't think there's any shame in augmenting your knowledge with oh, it. Oh no, no, but completely supplanting it is, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, hey, can I? Um, I want to, sh- I want to give Tom yet another shout out. So he mentioned a company called Airtable. Duh. What did I say? That I don't know about any. <laughs> Airtable is a is similar to what we were talking about. So that that could be a good solution for people. I think it's relatively cost effective. So yeah. good call. Tom, thank you. Excellent point. Let me check it out. All right. So, Mike, what a wonderful <laughs> Mike, wait, Do that again, Mike. What? Check it out. Oh, yeah. I was like, I wrote that down. I was like, I got to yeah. check that out. <laughs> <laughs> Write this down. All right. right. So, wide-ranging conversation. Appreciate your time here Definitely. today, Mike. Let's make sure folks uh, know how to connect with you after the fact. I think we've got your LinkedIn profile direct link in the comments, but how else can folks connect with you? If you want to know me personally, uh, 
my uh, Instagram is Midwest Mike 87. Um, my YouTube is Midwest Mike. And yeah, that, but I'm the most active on LinkedIn. So awesome. That's it. Awesome. In. When's your next live stream? Dude, I'm sporadic. Who knows? It might be after this. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> Nothing but the truth. Uh, kind of like our friends over at Varys and Greg, the material truth. Uh, here you get the, the Michael Nime truth. So I think when Mike gets inspired or angry, that's when he goes live. <laughs> Is that pretty much what drives it? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It's, 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 what, it's what makes it the best, too. It's just like, you know, I can't really... I'm pretty detailed, but when it comes to content, I'm like, I think some of my best stuff just comes from when it's like, all right, this just pissed me off or like, I'm jacked up. Let's just go live. So, okay. I got to ask you this. Sorry. I know we need to wrap, but I have to ask you this. Have you ever found yourself? I know you can kind of watch the count of who's watching. Have you ever found yourself talking to yourself, but nobody listening and just, and, and just doing it just to get it out? Yeah. (laughs) This is the best, it's the best therapy. Like I I love it, man. I don't got some like crazy following. I'm like, I'm like, well, so there's, you kind of look and you're like, it's kind of humbling too. It's like, ah, uh, you're not really that sweet, <laughs> but I'm going to keep but going. You get, you get it out. And that's therapy. And I think that Rhonda would, would affirm that that is good. Oh yeah. Rhonda's probably the only one watching me and maybe my mom, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Important you, demographic. You don't want your mom watching you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, she's there. Yeah. We don't want that, but cool guys. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. All right. Yeah. So we've been talking Thanks with Michael Nimi. Really appreciate it uh, with Hook Logistics and Global Trans. We'll see you again really soon. Thanks so much. Later, guys. Take care. Man, I knew that was going to be lively, but I almost needed a, a couple white flags to try. <laughs> <laughs> and you really are. Y'all were agreeing. Uh, there's just, I think there's a lot of passion, especially with violent section agreement. of all these things. Yes. I would call that a violent agreement. No Agreed. doubt. Agreed. So. Okay. Uh, and Brian says love, loves the humility. Yeah. I, I think that's my favorite part about conversations like this, right? Cause as he opened up, he's not a know-it-all or I can't remember what ex- exactly he said. He's just, he's got to take. And of course he's got some great experience. Uh, Clay agrees. Violent agreement, violent agreement. Okay. So, Greg, we do have to, to jump out really quick. Uh, yeah. I've got a, a 1.30 commitment coming up. Uh, you have to join me, uh, uh, Ursula Ringham, and a few others as we give some key takeaways from the industry's track on Sapphire Now here today. But, Greg, give us give us your favorite part here today of all the stuff we talked about, and then I'll wrap, and we'll hope to see everybody Thursday. I, I, think, the, I think the favorite part – had to be the empathy that the community has for not just drivers, of course, drivers, but also for people in the industry in general. Look, this is a tough job. As as I told a group of investors, of dozens of investors, right? If in supply chain, if you're out of stock, it's your fault. If you're overstocked, it's your fault. And if anything happens to go right, thank goodness for the sales team. So... <laughs> So uh, I think it's great to have empathy. It's gr- this is great therapy for all of us, right? To get together, to, to appreciate what we all do um, and to put special appreciation on the folks who grind so hard every single day to make sure we get the stuff that we want. Amen. I, I'm with you. All the hardworking people across global business that have really kept things moving. Uh, so much appreciation, gratitude there. And that's a great point to wrap on. So 
Huge thanks to all the folks that showed up, all the comments, including the ones we couldn't get to. Great to see kind of the, the usual suspects, but also a lot of new faces. Really appreciate what y'all brought here today. Uh, of course, Michael Nime, uh, home run stuff. Really, really, you know, passion speaks amongst the loudest to me. You know, if, you're, mm-hmm. if, there's, a, if there's a short list, you know, passion and authentic, uh, authenticity. I always get that wrong. Passion and authenticity are at the top of the list and what we look for. And I appreciate how he makes content. Greg, loved it. Enjoy these sessions with fun, you. Wasn't it? I learned plenty from you today, as always, including, man, you, you even know your trucks. I didn't miss that. Uh, so <laughs> you, I crashed you, uh, the gate doing 98. Let them truckers roll. 10 4. <laughs> the fount of ceaseless knowledge. A lot of good stuff. Of course, big thanks to Amanda and Natalie and Clay all behind the scenes to help make these live streams happen. Hey, join us this Thursday, 12 noon Eastern time sharp as Laura Cesare joins us once again for her monthly appearance. And we'll probably yeah. be talking about project zebra and some of the latest uh, developments related to the uh, uh, supply chain insights, global summit to come in September. So all the best to everybody. Hey, most importantly, most importantly, Got to go out there and make it happen on this Monday. Do a good, <laughs> do good, give forward, and be the change that's needed. On that note, we'll see you next time right here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.